everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. Day 12, Merry Spawnmas. It's finally arrived. We hope Spawn has visited you all and left you, I don't know, what would Spawn leave? Chain, chains? Yes, chains. Yes, chains and justice and, uh, and uh, maybe a little pain and suffering if you, if you're, if you have any crime, uh, crime in your heart. Yeah, if you're naughty, you probably yeah, yeah experience <laughs> some some pain. If you're good, yeah, maybe you got some chains and some spikes. So <clears throat> hopefully everybody's having a very spontaneous. But uh, we're going to talk about issue number twelve, and then we're going to take a break for about a week, and then when the new year kicks off, as we've said throughout this uh, spontaneous event, we'll be trying to release uh, one issue one episode covering one issue each day of the new year so we can get all caught up all, all the way up to issue three. I suppose by the time we get to the end, we'll be around issue 330, which will leave us about 30 days that we can skip. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how it all goes. Uh, but you guys seem to be enjoying it. People are on board, people are downloading, people are talking about it. So we really appreciate everybody uh, interacting and, and enjoying what we're, what we're doing. So with issue number 12, um, Again, not not the strongest issue, and I feel like McFarland probably thought it was going to be a little more impactful than it was. Maybe it was more impactful at the time. I just kind of shrugged my shoulders at it. The, this big reveal at the end of who killed Spawn, like I get it. It's been a bit of a mystery. His his memory hasn't been all there, but. The quality in terms of the writing for the first 12 issues, and again, maybe some of this goes to the fact that he had some fill-in writers. Uh, it's not like this, the sort of suspense of who killed him was was built up. And even if it had been mentioned over and over, I have a feeling just with sort of the quality of writing, it would have felt like beating a dead horse, you know? Like there's ways you can bring something up and and, and sort of enhance people's curiosity about it. And then there's other ways that you can bring things up where people just get sort of tired of it. And they just want the answer to the question, you know, like Red X. Um, so I don't know. What do you think, Rocky? Uh, this this issue was uh, uh, this was tropey. It was well, we're introduced to Jason Wynn, and uh, we, you know, and I made the joke before that uh, every all the major villains. Uh, all the bad guys, uh, which are usually either cyborgs or some devilish creatures, so far in these first in the in the previous eleven issues, they all have shit-eating grins on their faces, <laughs> and Jason Wynn has a shit-eating grin on his face in these issues. So you can tell he's a bad guy. Uh, something tells me that Todd McFarlane back in the day probably didn't have the greatest poker face, uh, <laughs> but in any event, uh, th this issue was was, was very. There, there was so much exposition again, and and we get told the same story again. I mean, Jason Wynn is this was this was this military guy who basically Al Simmons worked under him, and he's got his minions who are basically telling him the story. Tell him they're telling him what's going on. They're telling him about Terry McGinnis doing in, all this investigating, and they're telling him about Terry McGinnis. You know, best friends of Al Jerry, married his wife. Terry Fitzgerald. Sorry, yeah, Terry Fitzgerald. Sorry. <laughs> And yeah. so, but they're, they're retelling the story, you know, they're retelling the story that we readers kind of already know. And it's, it's like, it's kind of a bad way to tell the story in, in the sense that, I mean, if I, I suppose if you completely forget what came before, but I guess, cause we're reading every issue, this really feels like it's, it's a, it's a mishmash again. 
and and I didn't need it. I, I felt that there was a lot of pages that were wasted on it. I'm starting to feel the waste of the pages because of McFarlane getting into that kind of a bad habit of re, you know, telling us what we already know. He doesn't have faith in his own storytelling because he did a good job early on in the early issues establishing the premise of the story. He doesn't need to to to, to sort of slam it down our throats. But uh, uh, you know, but we'll get into it. Yeah, and again, how much of this is the fact that that's just the way comics were back then? You make that assumption that every comic is somebody's first one, so you you want to get them caught up. But yeah, I, I agree with you um, that it gets it gets old at some point because McFarland doesn't do it differently. You know that that's the thing. Like back in the day, writers would find different ways to bring new readers up to speed. It wasn't always just here's a giant dialogue dump, here's a giant wall of text. But you can see from the very first page of the issue that that's exactly what this is. You can see all the, you know, the boxes are out to black everything out. Half the page is just dialogue. It's just, it's literally a wall of text. Um, McFarland doesn't, you know, nobody's ever accused Todd of an economy of words. And here's what's interesting about it when, when I stop to think about it. When you talk to Todd, it's not really any different. Talking to him or seeing his writing, the guy is a very loquacious guy, yeah. very charming, very charismatic. He's a chatterbox. He, he, he talks he, a lot. He, yeah, he talks a lot. So well, when you ask him a question, he gives you the, bo- when you ask him a question, he gives you the bonus answer because he goes yeah, on and exactly. on. <laughs> it's great when you interview him because yeah. you don't have to do much. You just ask him one question. He just goes on for 20 minutes. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's pretty, but, but anyway, yeah, it, I mean, that's, that's part of it. So I won't place all the blame on, on him, you know, that that's the way comics work. The other thing about this that I wonder is, so this is the first issue he's written since issue seven, right? Seven, yeah. So he did have four issues off. So how much of this was kind of him? And, and again, I remember a lot of these books were late. So just because it was four issues doesn't mean it was only four months. It could have been even longer than that, that he hadn't written. So maybe he was, uh, you know, had to, remind himself, how do I do this again? Uh, because honestly, this issue, this whole issue is sort of a, a recap. Like here's, okay, here's where we are with Spawn. You know, um, he's he's been drawn to that church again. Um, we, we get that first page where we're brought up to speed and he's thinking, why am I drawn to this church? He remembers this is a church he got married in. He's remembering back to his wedding day. But again, there's not really any new information here. Yes, he loved his wife. Yes, Terry uh, Fitzgerald was his best man. Yes, Terry Fitzgerald married his wife after he died and gave her the kid that Al Simmons couldn't give her. You know, how could he do that to me? We, we learned about his close relationship with his grandmother, who's blind. Now his grandmother didn't like the fact that Wanda, uh, his wife, wasn't taking his last name. I wonder how much of that is real life, because we know that there's a lot of McFarlane in this story, you know, the not spawn issue really showed that we know McFarlane has a daughter named Cyan. We know McFarlane's wife is named Wanda. I don't think I've never, well, I shouldn't say never. Um, but I think back then, certainly when she was credited in the book as an editor early on McFarlane's wife, it, what she wasn't credited as Wanda McFarlane. She was credited with her maiden name. So I wonder how much of this not taking the name because Al is fine with it. It's the families that seem to have a problem. I wonder if McFarland's family had a problem with that, so he threw that in there. 
Um, yeah. But anyway, like Rocky said, we are introduced to, to Jason Wynn. I mean, his name's been mentioned before. He's shown up as a cameo. But it's the first time we're seeing him live on the page. And they're ta- he's, ta- he's hearing from an underling who's saying, yeah, somebody accessed some personnel files. Who is it? Well, it's Terry Fitzgerald. And we know from an earlier issue, Terry told Wanda that he was going to go look at the files again because Wanda's having these dreams uh, that suggest that Al Simmons was murdered rather than killed in, in the line of duty like the CIA has told him. And they're, they're worried. They're like, well, who who has access to this, these files? Well, let's we're narrow it down to three, but we're pretty sure that it's Terry Fitzgerald. And, you know, Wynn talks about how disappointing that is. And th- this underling says, well, the data shows that Fitzgerald was highly linked to all these high priority government projects as well as CIA. And his records have been clean up till now. And they're like, well, what's his, re- his motive? Well, revenge, because he's married to McFarland's wife. Or, or sorry, Al Simmons' wife, and he was best friends. So maybe he's accessing these files because Wanda wants revenge on whoever killed Al Simmons, and so does Terry Fitzgerald. You know, they're they're in it together, as it were. And so Wynn's like, ah, that you know, that is a d- disappointment. It's a shame about Al Simmons' death, which you know, very foreboding there, because it's been hinted at all along that Wynn has been the one behind it. Uh, and he says, yeah. Uh, Fitzgerald and the Simmons widow, they might blame the CIA for his death. And so to their paranoia, they might be looking to have some, take some hostile action against, against us. And so Wynn decides that he wants them under surveillance because he wants to know what they're really up to. So, you know, already establishing this adversarial relationship between Jason Wynn, who's supposed to be a good guy, you know, working for the government, you know, U.S. government is supposed to be good. I don't think anybody actually <laughs> believes that, especially especially when it's black bag stuff. Yeah. You know, it's so strange. Government is supposed to be for the people and by the people, right? But no, maybe it's just the cynicism of too many scandals in Washington, D.C., in this country or what have you. Um, Iran, Contra, Fear, all that, Watergate. Nobody, nobody actually believes the U.S. intelligence agency or community or CIA or whatever has the best interests of the the common American person, common American citizen, uh, in, in their, in mind any, anymore. Uh, we always kind of see them as the bad guys too. Uh, but anyway, we see Al do something here. That's a little surprising. He goes to visit his blind grandmother, same grandmother we saw that he talked to at the wedding. Um, and it's, it's interesting. So she's been mentioned before. This isn't the first issue that, uh, she's been mentioned and it's been mentioned before that she's blind. Really interesting aspect like smart of McFarland to do that right because clearly Al Simmons doesn't look like Al Simmons it was a big deal early on that he can't use his powers to transform himself to look like himself he always has to be a white guy usually a beach bum looking guy blonde hair blue eyes what have you Uh, and then beyond that if he's in his regular you know appearance he's not using his powers to alter it his face looks like you know chewed up hamburger yeah so notice the cap that he's wearing he's wearing an image cap image image cap yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so it is. It was smart for McFarland to make the grandmother blind, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly, he he thought it through. Like this is issue twelve. I don't know how far in advance he plotted, but at some point he must have known. Hey, I'm going to have Al go talk to his grandmother. It would be smart to make her blind because again, she's mentioned early on in the series. Uh, so the reason he's there is he, he. I guess he just you know nostalgia from thinking about his wedding day. Wanted to see her. Um, talks about how he regrets not listening to her 
about heaven and hell. We know Al Simmons was an atheist when he was alive and he's telling her, he basically wants to make her feel better. Hey, you know, there, there is a heaven. I know that for sure now. And there's a place waiting for you. And his grandmother says, oh, it'll be great. Someday I'll be there with you. And I, I won't be there. I'm a bad person, blah, blah, blah. Feeling sorry for himself. And like every good grandmother will do, oh no, you're a hero. You're so great. Um, you're a real angel. You just don't see it. There's no way Satan, um, you know, would, would take control of you. And, you know, I love you and I miss you so much. And, uh, and, and Wanda's so proud of you. She's got herself a, a great life with a husband and a beautiful daughter and didn't take his last name either. And, uh, and Spawn, he's, he's kind of taken aback by that. He's like, you know, I don't think he necessarily planned on talking about Wanda, but as long as granny brought her, brought her up, he says, does Wanda still think of me? And she just freaks out. Heaven's sakes, child. Oh, Lordy. Uh, that woman's got more love for you today than she ever did. Like she misses you so much. And, you know, she, she gave her, you gave her happiness. You made her happy. And she comes over. And when she talks about you, when we reminisce about you, I can still hear the love in her voice. And, you know, someday you'll be reunited and we'll all be together again. And man, that just makes, uh, that makes Al's day. He says, you know, I hope you're right. Thank you so much. And, and it's like, I have to go. Uh, and he, he leaves kind of walking on air. Uh, next page, we get the return of the talking heads, which we haven't seen for a while. Again, McFarland hasn't been writing. So the CNN person's talking about how uh, Overkill was spotted in Manhattan. There's uh, the Youngblood non-sanctioned activity that's been going on connections and possibly them fighting the mafia. And there's this, this possibility of this gang war breaking out between the government, young blood and, and the mafia. And then, uh, this commentator who seems to change channels every time he shows up, um, <laughs> is talking about these gang wars and, and people fighting against each other and how they're using guns to kill each other. And, uh, he calls them cowards. You know, back in my day, we settled things with our fists and you could see your enemy's eyes and you're just using military hardware that can level city blocks, you know, a bunch of cowards, basically. Uh, and then the, the entertainment reporter is talking about how uh, they're possibly going to do uh, a movie about Al Simmons' life. Um, and also he throws in at the very end, and this is a shout out to Rob Liefeld, that Bedrock, who was one of the young blood characters, you know, the big giant blocky gray rock character has run into some legal snags with the animators, Hanna-Barbera over the name use of rights. So obviously we know with the Flintstones, they're from the town of Bedrock. It's right in the opening song. Right. And so that's why that Liefeld changed the name of that character from Bedrock to Bad Rock. Um, so I guess this is McFarlane, you know, tugging on the, tugging on the, the, uh, threads there to, to kind of poke fun at, at that or poke fun at Hanna-Barbera or just, yeah. you know, again, it, it, it's that time image was starting out. They were the, the young upstarts going up against these big corporations and yeah, just this rights issue is something that doesn't sit, sit very well with them. So uh, again, we're getting caught up on a lot of stuff through uh, a lot of exposition. The, the next couple pages, we get caught up with what Sam and Twitch are up to. Like, did they get in trouble for the dead body of Billy Kincaid being found in their office? Seems like they're on probation for that. And they're trying to uh, keep their heads down, but they haven't forgotten about that Kate figure they saw out of 
uh, outside of Billy Kincaid's house and they still want to go looking, uh, looking for them uh, or looking for him or whoever they saw once the, they're in the clear from uh, Billy Kincaid's murder. <clears throat> then we get caught up with Wanda and Cyan and uh, Terry Fitzgerald. And again, you wonder how much of this mirrors McFarlane's own life because basically the scene between the family is a lot about how, how Cyan does a lot of the cute little things that little kids do, you know, pronouncing words incorrectly and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then as they're walking along, Terry shows up, they finish their walk back to their house uh, together and waiting there at their home is a couple of guys from CIA, a couple of dark suits. And they're there to basically deliver the message from Jason Wynn that, uh, yeah, you need to, uh, to be careful. You shouldn't be, going accessing these files it's 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 not for you so uh to rocky's point earlier once these guys go back and report to jason Wynn, he does have that grin on his face saying excellent excellent fitzgerald's been properly advised i mean how troopy can you get they actually they actually say the words a uh, nice child you got there be a shame or something happened to <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, literally i mean like it's, that's been said a million times in every every bad guy movie there is <laughs> yeah yeah, very much so. I mean, it's been the mafia, right? That's yeah. been the bit of the bad guy and, and the supernatural demons characters, like you mentioned. Now, all of a sudden, we have the Central Intelligence Agency of the United States playing like mafia. I mean, it's totally a mafia <laughs> thing to say. Uh, and then then the, the scene shifts back to uh, the alley. We get caught back up with, with Al Simmons and his buddies. And once again, Todd McFarlane poking the bear poking uh, uh, Hanna-Barbera, who had been threatening to sue McFarlane because all the guys, all Spawn's buddies, are sitting around singing the Flintstones theme song, word for word. Uh, and then Spawn <laughs> guzzles some cheap wine. And they're like, whoa, whoa, take it easy, take it easy. Now, now McFarlane does put at the bottom of the screen, uh, or bottom of the page, Flintstones theme song, copyright Hanna-Barbera Productions. So <clears throat> wants to stay out of trouble there, but he, he did put it in there. So, which I just find just, I don't know, uh, unnecessary provocation. Like why, why, why do that? You know, but again, young and brash, uh, two words that you could definitely use to describe McFarlane at the time. Yeah. Uh, but it is interesting to see Al celebrating, you know, the good news that he got today about the fact that Wanda still in love with him, even though he can't be with her. And he even talked in the beginning, right. About how he didn't drink or, or at the beginning of last issue, rather, how he didn't drink, but here he is guzzling it up um and and when the guys ask what do you celebrate anyway it's like ah, i just exercised a few demons uh no big deal so uh while he's hanging out with his buddies they're doing what guys do when they hang out and drink making fun of each other and teasing each other and talking about farts um and one of the guys picks up al simmons mask which i'm assuming that he had it off because he's drinking but it has seemed in the last couple issues he's been wearing it a lot less um i don't doesn't seem to be any particular reason for that. Um, but anyway, one of the guys picks up the mask and puts it on, even though Al warns him not to. And of course it's, you know, it's alive and it, it it's not bonded to this guy and it starts to suffocate him. And uh, Spawn has to go over there and, and pull it off of him. And then he apologizes. I don't have any control over this costume. I, you know, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know why, but for some reason I feel like I need this outfit. And right as he finishes that sentence, he has another one of his visions that kind of, uh, overcome him. And this time he gets some answers for, for who killed him. And again, like I talked about at the beginning, um, 
it, it seems like the way this plays out, uh, and especially with this big splash page at the end with the reveal of who killed him, that this is supposed to be some big epic reveal. Like for all 12 issues, we've just wondered who has killed Al Simmons. It's, it's just the biggest mystery. And it hasn't been. It hasn't been built up the right way. It, it, the stakes aren't there. Plus, we barely know Spawn, right? Like maybe if you're picking up each issue, 12 issues, you're invested. But doesn't mean you're reading Youngblood, which barely came out. I think it took over a year and a half for the first five issues to come out. And the guy that killed him is a member of Youngblood. So it's not a church that he keeps being drawn to. He's not drawn to that place because it's a church. He's drawn to that place because of the chapel. And that's who killed him. And um, it's it's Chapel, who is a, a government assassin who's associated with Youngblood and who wears this painted skull um, mask on his face. And, and that does explain why when uh, Spawn had the vision earlier about the guy killing him, he, he pictured the guy that assassinated him as a skeleton because maybe he was fixated on that skull that's painted on Chapel's face. So, uh, and, you know, he screams out, no, and it was Chapel and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, I mean, maybe it's the fact that we're reading this all this year, all these years later, but it really lands with a thud in my mind. It's like, okay, Chapel killed him. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Maybe if McFarlane, uh, or rather, maybe if Liefeld had turned Chapel into this interesting character, we might care. But Youngblood hasn't even been been uh, published in over a decade. I think like nobody nobody cares. Um, so I, I wonder, I know McFarlane's retconned a lot of things, you know, a lot of it to do with the lawsuit with Neil Gaiman and what have you. Is this something he's changed? Is it, and if not, is it something he'd want to change? I can't help but think, you know, based on the fact that the image founders kicked Liefeld out at one point because, um, or I, I shouldn't say even at one point, like he still is not part of image anymore because he couldn't get along with them and wasn't pulling his weight. If if McFarland had to do it all over again, knowing what he knows now, if he'd go back and remove these Liefeld property references, kind of curious. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It landed with a thud for me, Rocky. What'd you think? Uh, it, it, it landed a little bit of a thud for me too. I have to admit, I, I, I should say, I'm going to, I want to give a shout out to uh, Rob Servations, uh, Rob Liefeld's uh, uh, podcast where he actually talks about the image years and he has a lot of good Todd McFarlane stories about about the early uh, spawn issues it's, so it's actually quite interesting to listen to and uh, so it'd be interesting to see if Todd would do things a little different but in any event I, I the op there were so many missed opportunities here to build up chapel in the this chapel character in the earlier issues uh, honestly I I didn't know chapel was a member of young blood I can't re I don't even, I don't remember anything about young blood uh, I got the first three or four issues of Youngblood, and I stopped. So I, I, I don't even, I didn't even know that until you said it. I could, didn't even remember. Frankly, we got so much exposition about uh, about Terry uh, Fitzgerald, Wanda Blake, uh, his child Cyan, and 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 his rehashing of his origin, meeting all the his street people characters, and meeting uh, the you know the different devil characters and the cyborg characters, which were all quickly killed off in all the issues, most of them. <laughs> um, what there was ample opportunity to there could have been uh, snapshots of his relationship with Chapel because they at one time I'm assuming they worked they were they were probably friends or at least they worked alongside each other maybe they maybe they were more frenemies than anything but you know I, I'm assuming they probably worked together uh, Al Simmons and Chapel at some point Th that this could have been built up so that this reveal could have been had a little bit more gravitas 
when it hits us on this final page in the 12th issue. Um, now, I will say this. Chapel is a very, uh, you know, he is a he is a very dangerous looking character. I mean, he he looks like Spawn, except he's human. He's he's. I mean, he almost looks like Spawn before. You know, he doesn't even need to change. Chapel just looks like a badass to begin with. So visually, he definitely is is a captivating character. So I'll give uh, McFarlane really props on on the way he's artistically rendered. So in that respect, I'm very curious this Chapel character, and um, but it, it is you know the buildup could have could definitely have been. Uh, different because I think that the narrative to this point could have been enhanced had he, he played more of a role in the plot getting to this point, Chapel in particular. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, like I said, we we had that one sort of flashback sequence where McFarlane was, was or I keep saying McFarlane, Spawn was remembering the dialogue that the guy had said, the, the, the guy that killed him, remembering what, what that person said. Yeah. But picturing him as uh, as a skeleton, didn't really get any clues other than I guess we did see that sort of skull image that's on the page that's on the you have on the screen right now a few times. Um, yeah. And if somebody was a big fan of Youngblood at the time, they might have associated that with Chapel because it does look like what his his mask sort of looks like. But yeah, again, uh, at this point, I think by the time this issue twelve came out, I think only th three or four issues of Youngblood had even come out. So. Who's going to, I mean, there's, again, the character wasn't built up enough in his own series to really be impactful. So uh, anyway, uh, it, it's, it is what it is. You know, it's, I, I'm not going to point the finger and blame McFarlane for it. It's not his fault that Liefeld couldn't get his crap together. Uh, but yeah, I just wonder if it might not have been more impactful and, and nothing to do with Liefeld at all in terms of, like we're saying, there could have been more, it could have been built up more. It could have been handled better. But again, perhaps the fact that he's, he had four issues, you know, a third of the series up to this point was written by other writers. And how much did they know? Like, did, should he, should, did he mention, hey, by the way, drop a little hint in there about who killed Spawn? Probably not. Oh, by the way, it's, it's this Chapel character that, that Liefeld created. They would have probably all said who? So again, maybe it's too, maybe it was too soon. Maybe they should have, maybe you should have dragged it out a little bit more because in this case, as opposed to something like Red X, um, it hasn't been brought up enough in my mind to, for this to really matter. You know, it hasn't been brought up enough to really pique my curiosity. Yeah. I guess I wonder who killed Al Simmons, but I know I'm going to be told eventually. So I guess I'll, you know, I'll figure it out when, when that happens. So I don't know, it's, it's kind of a tough one. Um, cause here we are with, and I keep mentioning red X that we've been beaten over the head with that, how that's a mystery. And we can't wait to, to find out yeah. who it is. Although I suppose we could apply the same logic. Well, we're going to find out eventually. Yeah. And so. the, I will say this too. One of the things to this point is I actually find myself less interested as to who killed spawn. I'm more interested in his relationship with Malabrosia and the devil. I'm more at this point, I'm more invested in like, you know, what other powers does he have? How is he going to use them? What's the, what's Malabrosia's master plan? I'm more interested on the, on the devil side of things on what the devil has in mind and what the violate, the violator and the, the vindic, the vindicator and Malabrosia and the, and the, the 10, the 10 uh, spheres of hell. Uh, I was actually, I'm more interested in that. 
I think that, and you alluded to this earlier, uh, Jace, when you talked about how I don't think we needed this revelation this early. I mean, this could have been something that was on the 25th issue or the 30th issue uh, in, in that I, I don't, because to me, who killed Al Simmons isn't really that important to the narrative for me. Because not yet, right? You know, not yet. Like I don't, I didn't need to know this so soon because I, I, I wasn't, I, w- I actually wasn't really asking myself who killed him because I just assumed he was killed, and and that's perfectly right. fine. That could have been a major revelation at the end of issue twelve that oh, he Al wasn't killed, or you know what I mean? Like I, it was, it was just kind of curious. Like uh, I think uh, McFarlane had clearly had more than one plot plot line, obviously at play here between all the plot the plot line regarding Malabrosia and the, and the deal with the devil and, you know, Al Simmons was, was killed. And, and, and I think that, and again, we, we're always comparing it to sort of like the modern day approach to, to, to writing, but it, it would seem to me that if this was more of a modern day's take, I, I think writers would probably break up these storylines because these could each be like 12 issue storylines in and of themselves. But um, it's interesting here. I want to, I, I do give McFarlane props for, trying to steer handle all all these different moving parts on on this narrative this grand narrative that he's crafting here he crams a lot into 12 issues and as you, as we talked about earlier he had four major writers joining him uh for four of those issues but you know Neil Gaiman Alan Moore Frank Miller Dave Sim so this first four issues you can see why spawn made quite an impact in uh in in 1992 yeah it's a good it's a good point and and I, I totally agree with you. I, I, I'm more interested in, in, okay, is his power still limited? What's going to happen with the war between heaven and hell? That that sort of Malabolgia side of it. Because really, like you were saying, there's two there's two main storylines here. There's the supernatural part, and then there's the historical Al Simmons part. The point that we're making here about this revelation about who, the, the fact that Al Simmons may have been murdered rather than killed in action and the fact that it was Chapel, that speaks to the Al Simmons part, right? The Al Simmons past history. But everything that we've seen so far, including those four issues, almost everything we've seen so far, and certainly those four issues by those four writers, have all dealt with the uh, storyline that deals with the supernatural. None of those four writers, guest writers, big names in comics at the time, really touched anything that had to do with the historical Al Simmons. McFarland touched on it a little bit. But that storyline to this point has not been developed anywhere near as much as the supernatural storyline has been. That's why we're invested in the supernatural storyline. That's why we're curious about that part of the story. So our point here is I think it would have landed with more impact this reveal that it was Chapel if McFarlane had waited until the historical storyline of Al Simmons had been developed a little more. It's just getting going in this issue with us uh, learning about Terry Fitzgerald being in trouble at, at CIA headquarters with Jason Wynn for accessing the files, with us learning that uh, Wynn overtly has kind of malevolent uh, intentions. Like that storyline feels like McFarland is just turning his attention to it. So if he's just turning his attention to it, give us a couple issues of developing that storyline so we can be invested, then drop the reveal that Chapel's the one that killed him. And I think it lands better. Um, and maybe, maybe it was a conscious choice by him. I'm going to, I'm going to kick off paying attention to that storyline with this revelation because, you know, again, young blood crossing over with Liefeld, that sort of thing. It's Liefeld's character, but 
nothing, nothing perfect about this, right? Because again, delays in shipping and uh, delays in production for all the image guys, not just uh, Liefeld, but, uh, and we're all, we're, and granted, we're looking back on this hindsight's 2020. And yeah, I'd be very curious to know if McFarlane would, would do it differently. Would his ego even allow him to admit that he would do it differently now <laughs> is another, uh, another thing to think about. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else to add about this issue, Rocky? Uh, I'm, I'm this, I can tell you this. I, from this issue on, everything is absolutely new to me because I, I, I know as a fact, I've not never read past issue 12. Uh, so everything else is new to me. And I know this is a 30 year old series at this point, but I've, uh, this is all, this is new to me. I, you know, I admit I, I stopped collecting spawn, you know, at issue 12. I mean, I literally have, I've got like four, I got four copies of spawn number one. And I got, I think I got two of the issue nine of the first appearance of Angela, but I stopped at issue 12. I never went past that. So, uh, this is all new to me. So this, our, our plans for 2022 of trying to me joining you to try to read as many spawn issues as we can in a row there, or to try to get to the present. That's uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, and, and I hope, I hope it's, I hope it's enjoyable. Like I hope, cause I, I know McFarland is a mixed bag there and I know that it, it the, you know, he had some, those early, he went through the, from issue 150 to 200 I, there was low sales and I'm, I'm hoping that's not because the stories were terrible I'm hoping that because a lot of times stories can be good just because a just because a comic has low sales doesn't mean the stories aren't great we know that from being longtime collectors so I'm really looking forward to this uh and I hope I'm not disappointed <laughs> as we get more into the spawn stuff yeah another thing I'm hoping to do is to reach out to, to some other uh spawn fans uh, who are you know more who are obviously caught up, but who are a little bit more of experts and were reading it, you know, like maybe they always collected it because um, they can give context. Because again, we know that McFarland has retconned some things and, and I want to be able to bring that context in. So, so we'll see how that all, uh, that all plays out um, in the end. So, uh, but yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, I think, and this was something that was really weird. And when, when you think about it now, it doesn't really, it's, it doesn't seem that big of a jump, but I think every series that, that was uh, at least ongoing to a point of coming out regularly. So I think Wildcat, because again, a lot of these image comics were late. I think Wildcats did it, Savage Dragon did it, Spawn did it. After issue 12 was, was released, they did this thing where they jumped to issue 25. They said, and and they wrote that issue, and then, and it wasn't like it was a possible future. That's actually what was going to happen. It was the issue, and then they went back, and then went back to thirteen, and went thirteen up to twenty four, and it eventually they eventually got to that issue. And it, it was it was kind of a gimmick thing at the time. Hey, you get this glimpse into the future of what's going to happen. So I do remember I read one through twelve like yourself, and then I remember I didn't fully read 25 because I, I didn't like the idea of the gimmick and I didn't want everything to be spoiled, but I did kind of, I remember skimming it several times and I, I think I bought a couple of copies foolishly think it would be worth anything. <laughs> um, but then I think there was, there was another delay before it went back to 13 and then eventually got up there. But now you think about it at the time it was like, wait, what you're skipping 13 issues and jumping all the way to 25. 
that's so many issues and oh my, but really it was only another year. You know, they only, they only skipped forward a year. And now when you think spawns up to 320, skipping, thir- you know, 10 issues, 13 issues, whatever, no big deal. Um, but I remember it being a big deal at the time. And uh, again, obviously Youngblood couldn't do it. Shadowhawk, Jim Valentino's property was a series of mini series. So that didn't really work, but it, they did it for Wildcats. I know for sure they did it for Savage Dragon and they did it for Spawn. So I have sporadic issues after 12, I, I, but I'm missing some here or there because um, I tried to stay on. But yeah, it was it was mostly the delays in, in uh, the release that, that caused me to, to fall off. So, um, and plus being in college and, and that sort of stuff. So uh, anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, as Rocky has up there, if you're checking us out on YouTube, happy holidays, Merry Spawnmas, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas. Looking forward to a prosperous new year for everybody uh, and plenty more Spawn in, in 2022. So uh, we hope you guys have enjoyed this 12 days of Spawnmas and the 12 days of the Comic Source episodes that we've released. We really hope you've enjoyed all the content that Rocky released on the Comic Boom channel stuff we've collaborated on and, and the comic source audio stuff as well. So just one last reminder as we're finishing up here, if you're checking us out on YouTube, you're not subscribed to the audio channel, just go to your favorite podcast app or podcast platform, Google, Stitcher, Apple, whatever it might be, uh, and do a search for the comic source and subscribe. Uh, if you only listen to the audio stuff and you haven't gotten a chance to get over to YouTube to subscribe to Rocky's channel, we really encourage you to do that. Uh, just go to YouTube and search for comic space, boom, exclamation point. Subscribe, ring the notification bell so you know when new content's coming out. Like this video. All that stuff really helps our exposure and helps us get access to more content. So uh, once again, thanks, everybody. We really appreciate it. Hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas. And if you're listening to this on the day it's released, on Christmas Day, hey, thanks for spending a little bit of your holiday with us. Uh, so, Rocky, I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, I just wanna I just wanna wish you, Jace, uh, a very Merry Christmas to, to you and your family from mine. And I just wanna thank you because it's been uh this year you know, we did our we we began our DC collaboration of weekly DC comics and it's uh it sort of rejuvenated my love of DC comics and I, I do credit my collaboration with, with you on that and and uh I thank you for helping uh light a fire under my butt to uh participate and read all those Sometimes reading more comics than we want to read in a given week for DC, but uh, you know we've uh, for the most part I think I can speaking for myself I've been enjoying it and so thank you for that Merry Christmas to you Merry Christmas to everyone uh, who's listened and who's watched uh, on YouTube and I'm grateful thank you all and uh, yeah Happy holidays Yeah I, I echo your sentiments Merry Merry Christmas to everyone and yeah for me the collaboration has been exciting as well I've never had a collaborator that's stuck in as long as as you have, which, you know, really shows your love of comics, which uh, probably the person that I've, I've met while doing this that loves comics anywhere near as close as I do, the fact that you are passionate about it and willing to put in the time. And here, here's the thing that's so great about our collaboration. And I know we're giving you guys all a little bit of how the sausage is made here. There are times where I don't necessarily feel like recording a DC Spotlight, but Rocky may, you know, I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, but you know, I can't let Rocky down. He, and I'm sure vice versa. There's probably times where he's probably like, oh man. That's <laughs> it happens, you know, come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but see, it, it, it's like having a partner to go to the gym with, you know, you yeah. keep each other motivated. Uh, and, and again, we, we feel a responsibility to you, uh, to you listeners and you viewers. You guys dig those DC spotlights, man. There's some of our, um, our most highly downloaded episodes on, on you uh, watched episodes on YouTube and downloaded episodes on the, the spotlight 
or on the uh, uh, audio side on the podcast. So yeah, we, we do it for you guys. We do it for ourselves. We do it because we love comics. So yeah, and with that, we'll say thanks one more time for uh, joining us, everybody. And we will talk to you next time. See you later. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.